0: Welcome, my love, to The Collective. The Collective is you, it is me, it is every woman. Raising the vibration of the fucking planet as we show up, step up, and serve the purpose we will put here for. My name is Taylor Ray. I am the queen of blending the woo with the work, and I'm going to show you how to do just that. I'm an entrepreneur, podcaster, speaker, and spiritual business mentor, and I help visionary women just like you build online businesses so they can have the impact they are here for and call in the abundance they are so worthy of. Get ready to become unapologetic, abundant, and aligned as fuck because the universe has put you here in divine timing and you're exactly where you're meant to be. What is up my collective queens? I am so excited to be back with you for another episode where today I'm sitting down with Scout Sobel. Scout has been living with a severe case of bipolar disorder for 14 years and experiences a plethora of symptoms such as depression, anxiety, hypomania, catatonia, and psychosis. Once unable to hold a job, go to school, or function in today's society, Today and through a lot of self-development work, therapy and garnering up tools in her toolbox, Scout manages her bipolar disorder successfully and uses her mental strength that she has created through this journey in order to fuel her entrepreneurial dreams. Today, Scout is the founder of Scout's agency, a female-focused podcast and PR agency which hit its first six figures in its first year. She is the host of Scout podcast which focuses on mental strength and helping others to thrive with their own businesses and she is the co-host of the OK Sis podcast, which shows up for women everywhere. Scout is an incredible guest, and together we talk about so much inside of this episode, including holistic tools for coping with mental health issues, the power of authenticity, techniques for letting go of people-pleasing, how to change gears professionally, building a brand story, and tips for getting PR, as well as so much more. So I know that no matter where you are at on this journey, there is going to be something inside of this episode for you. So as you are listening, I want you to make sure that you do screenshot your favorite part of the episode, share it to your Instagram stories and tag me at Official so I see it, so I can connect with you and send you some love over in the DM. Now let's get into the episode. Welcome back, my loves. I'm so excited to be here on another interview with the gorgeous Scout Sobel. Scout, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited we're finally connecting. I know.
0: Finally, after all this time. Now, if you guys don't know who Scout is, Scout runs a wonderful PR and podcasting agency for female podcasters. She's incredible. That's how we connected. And we've had some incredible guests here on the collective podcast because of Scout. And now it's Scout's time to shine. So welcome, love. Tell us a little bit about you and what it is that you do.
1: Yeah. So essentially, I have a few things. I run Scott's a- Agency. I am the founder and CEO of that, and we specialize in female voices, brands, talents, companies, brands, all that good stuff. And we essentially uh, specialize in podcast PR, but we also do traditional PR. So we've had our clients written up about in Marie Claire, Forbes, Who, What, Where, uh, BuzzFeed, Entrepreneur, Essence, Domino, big kind of um, outlets like that. And then I also am a co-host of Ocase's Podcast with my sister Mads, and I just launched my own podcast called Scout, which is essentially just a bunch of solo episodes of me chatting about mental health and entrepreneurship and how to strengthen your mindset so that you can show up in your business in a more aligned and fulfilled way.
0: I love that and I know feel like we're going to go a lot down that path today because there's a lot of people who will really benefit from hearing that side of things. But you are one busy gal. You seem like you've got like a new project like on the rise all the time. How do you manage that sort of that sort of like schedule and having all of those things that you're doing?
1: Yeah. So um, every time I start something new, everyone close to me says, are you sure you have time for that? Like, I think you're putting too much on your plate and then they make me all anxious because then I reevaluate my schedule. But really, that's just the way I work. Like the word serial entrepreneur just describes me. I'm just a creator and I'm always creating new projects. I get really stoked when I have an idea. And when I have an idea, I have to execute on it. Like the energy sits in my chest and it has to come out through me. It has to. And if it doesn't, it... It torments my brain until I create it. So, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse in the sense that there are weeks where I cry and I'm like, what am I doing to myself? How did I put so much on my plate? But then most, I mean, 70 or 80% of the time, I am so fulfilled and so stoked on what I'm doing every day in my life that I, I created this, right? Like I decided to go into all these projects. I created them for myself. I have completely designed my future. And in that sense, I have control over that.
0: Yes, I love that. And I feel you so much with the whole, it's just this energy and you're like, if I had to let it out, like it's going to go wild. Like I've got to do something about it. I definitely resonate with you on that. What was that process like for you in starting Scouts Agency? Like what was it about, you know, representing female podcasters and female leaders in their industries? What called you to that? Why did you have a drive to do that?
1: Yeah, so essentially, I had started OKSYS Podcast with my sister, and we were getting really good traction and really great, um, creating a really amazing community and getting all these big guests on, and we were becoming guests on other podcasts. And um, I had this idea, someone kind of put it in my head, they're like, oh, you should help other podcasters. And it just kind of started growing in my mind and growing in my mind until one day the energy came and I said, I'm doing it. And so I had my graphic designer create a media kit for me, and I sent out. A thousand to fifteen hundred emails within the first week or two to get my first clientele set up and it just kind of spread. And I remember starting it, and everyone said I don't have time because I was working a full-time job at the time. But being my own boss had always been my dream since I was twenty-two. I've been through a lot of entrepreneurial journeys. I started my own magazine when I was twenty-two, and we sold it in Barnes and Noble and newsstands across the United States. We had Halsey on the cover. It was such an amazing experience. And I wanted to get back to that. I'm in charge of what I create. And so I tried it out. I didn't know where it was going to go. I had no expectations in the sense of, you know, this was the point of no return and this is what was going to make me successful. And it ran and I loved it. And to be quite honest with you, it was so difficult in the beginning because I'm a people pleaser and having clients is pleasing people. Mm -hmm. And so I ran into a lot of emotional problems in the beginning. I needed to learn how to let my perfectionism go and how to handle criticism and how to handle if I make a minor mistake and how to not let that bog me down all day, but really bounce back and prove myself after that. So that's how Scout's agency started. And I quit my day job four months later and I hired my first employee six months later, opened an office around that same time right after I hired my first employee and we have hit a six-figure revenue in our first year.
0: Yay, congratulations. That's such a beautiful like accolade of achievements and you deserve to be incredibly proud of that. And obviously the income side of things and what you're doing in your life but also the impact that you're having on other people and helping them to get their message out there is incredibly powerful so like I see you for that and like congratulations because it's honestly it's it's so much in such a short period of time and it's definitely inspiring to those listening Um, I would like to ask I guess you know in shifting gears because this is a question that does come up a lot I get this from a lot of clients is you know pivoting and especially with everything that's going on in the world right now like people are pivoting and they're shifting their messaging and maybe starting something completely new obviously that's something that you have a lot of experience in you know obviously you had the, the magazine prior and you were doing all these different things and you continuously evolve and grow and shift like obviously to what you are called to what is that process like for you and do you find it difficult to let go of some of the things that were your heart and soul at one point and then you sort of move in a different direction
1: Yeah, I've mourned a lot of deaths of companies that I've started and businesses and passion projects and things. And you know some of them have been really traumatic and it's been a huge grieving process. And then others were like a relationship where you just kind of fall out of love and you're both on the same page about it. And it's just time, right? It just feels good. And so it just really depends on where your life is. And if you're somebody that does this, right, that started so many things, but maybe hasn't found your one thing, that's just an entrepreneurial thing, right? Like that. That's just what you do. You grow until you find the thing that works for you in that moment, and then you continue to grow and evolve, and it's okay to let things go and move on to the next thing. It's totally fine. Don't feel as if you're a failure or as if it didn't work, because if you really look at the trajectory of my entrepreneurial pursuits, everything I can see now looking back led me to this, right? Every little thing I did prepared me to this moment, and you said something, you know that my mission is helping women get their voices out. I didn't even start Scout's agency saying, I want a mission that is purposeful and helps people. All I knew is that I loved supporting women and I loved podcasting. And then all of a sudden I was stoked when I got a client on a big podcast where she could tell her story and the why of my company actually didn't come to me until much later. And then I realized I was like, oh, I just love spreading stories of women. That's my jam, right? And so sometimes it doesn't even start with your why or your purpose or your mission. And sometimes what happens to you as you grow and evolve, it kind of just shows itself to you over time.
0: I love that. I love that so much. It's something that I talk about a lot and I'd love for you to comment as to what you think of this, but something I swear by is that action creates clarity. Is that something that you would agree with?
1: oh, 100%. I remember month four, I'm crying to my husband. Our relationship is a little rocky because all I do is cry about my business. (laughs) And I'm like, why did I start a business that revolves around pleasing people when I'm a people pleaser and it drives me nuts if someone is mad at me? And I was like, oh, this is the universe telling me I got to work on that right? and develop a skin. So this is just the universe presenting me with the next growth opportunity. And that's why it was given to me. And then the clarity came of the bigger mission, right? So, you know, you don't necessarily have to have it all figured out, right? You just have to follow your intuition, feel a spark, feel an energy, feel your brain waves going up and see where it takes you.
0: Mm. Oh, you're speaking my language, like everything that you're saying. And obviously you guys I can't see me, but like, I'm just nodding along, like, yes, 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 like literally all about it. Um, I love what you said there around like just understanding that like the why sometimes just comes later. Like the why is something that, you know, catches up with you over time so long as you are taking that action and not necessarily feeling like you have to have that entirely mapped out before you do anything. I think that that's incredibly powerful. Um, On the perfectionism and the people-pleasing side of things, that's definitely something that I want to talk about. We've talked a fair bit on this podcast about perfectionism and we always get such amazing feedback about it because there's a lot of achievers listening to this podcast. There's a lot of really high five women who know that they're here for really big things a lot of them myself included I've definitely had moments of this and I still have moments of this with the perfectionism side of things how is that something that you have like how have you combated that and the people-pleasing side of things what are some of the the ways that you've dealt with that through your journey
1: yeah, so I remember the first time I actively took a role in saying no for the first time towards people pleasing was when my parents got divorced, and my sister and my mother's relationship was really volatile and it was really toxic, and it drove me crazy every time i i mean now we're all very close, we love each other, we're very tight, it's all good, but we were young, and um every time I was with them, it was the three of us I got so angry and triggered and heated and depressed. And so going to Paris was always my dream growing up. And we had a family trip to Paris with my mom, my sister, and me. And four days before going to Paris, I called my mom and I said, I'm really sorry, but I can't go. I can't put my mental health in that situation right now. And I know that's going to hurt you. I know you're going to lose money on the ticket. But for myself, I have to say no. And that was the first time I really stood up for myself. And that's not to say that my people-pleasing... Characteristics went away right away, but that was the first time I felt in my power of wow, I'm making a decision for myself versus being at the mercy of what others want from me. And so, when I started this business and this agency, um, obviously, a lot of the things I do are subjective, right? Branding is subjective, exposure is subjective, messaging is subjective. And so, there are a lot of times where a client will disagree with me on an opportunity, or there are times where a client doesn't like my workflow or how I organize things or how I follow up. And sometimes I get an email for the same pitch that says, this is the best pitch I've ever written. Amazing job. And then sometimes I'll get, wow, same pitch. Thanks for like sending me a shit pitch. Right? So it's like so subjective. So you have to understand that you're doing it the way you want to and not everybody's going to like you. And that's also something I learned with OK Says Podcast because I'm putting my entire personal life out there for everybody. And I get messages sometimes that aren't that nice, but you're just not going to be for everybody. And if you are, you're boring. So mm-hmm. fuck that, en- are you allowed to cuss on here? Because I am. Okay. Fuck that anyways, because you're not going to reach the people who really need to hear you by being your true authentic self. So through the business, I have learned when I make a mistake now, I... Give it five seconds of panic, and then I'm like, it's over. I'm moving on, and here's how I'm gonna correct it, and here's how I'm gonna wow them on how I came back, right? Like, everyone loves a good comeback, right? So, especially with working clients, you have to know people are gonna be not happy with you. They're gonna be upset about something. Everyone is. And you just have to take it with grace and humility and fix the situation and put the fire out.
0: Oh, so many good takeaways right there. I love that so much. Fix the situation put the fire out. And what I love is what you said. You're like, I love myself five seconds of panic. It almost sounds like a band, like five seconds of summer, like cross with like panic in the disguise. <laughs> You've just like yes. created this whole beautiful fusion, but I honestly really think that that is really powerful. Like, yeah, you're human. You're going to have a moment of like, holy fuck, like shit, I've ruined this. Like, oh, no, nope, I can get my shit together and everything is okay. And I think that that is really powerful is recognizing you're going to have moments like that. It is going to feel a little bit scary that's okay feel it for a little bit and then devise an action plan to actually get yourself out of that and what I love that you said there was like wow them like show them like I know my shit like I know exactly what I'm doing let me prove it to you and come back even stronger so that is a beautiful beautiful just little takeaway that I really hope everyone heard you on the other thing that I love is like you said that power of authenticity um, and the importance of realizing that polarizing people as part of the game. And ultimately, I think what you said there is like, if you please everybody, like you're boring. Like, and I always say this, like if you try to serve everyone, you serve no one because ultimately you're not really standing for anything. Um, What is an example of a moment when you've really come up against that, when you have really come up against something that felt really hard, when someone really disagreed with you and what was that process like moving through it?
1: Yeah, um, I actually just had... One happened to me um, where somebody wrote that they had to tune out of my podcast because we weren't acknowledging the privilege that we have that we still have jobs during quarantine and that it was like essentially tone deaf and so she had to pull back and that really got me thinking because i've had so many com- and it's it's when you receive criticism like that it's also a good idea to check in and figure out where you stand in that but you know i've had so many conversations with people about how grateful i am that i still have my job and that i'm working and that i can employ people and all these things and i've and i've suffered and I've cried for those that have lost their job. For example, in our OKSys podcast, Secret Facebook group, we posted a whole list of jobs that are hiring virtual for those who had lost their jobs and were super there for the women who are. And so in this one particular episode, we might not have touched upon that. But that's not necessarily the full story of who I am, because that's not necessarily true. And it's not as if I have a job where my job security is 100% guaranteed. I'm a business owner, so I've never had 100% guarantee on my job. So to hear that I was out of touch in that situation, it really hurt me because I didn't feel that that was an accurate representation of who I am. But it also just gave me the opportunity to maybe share more of that side of me. Maybe I'm not, you know, reaching people on that side of me. Maybe I'm not expressing that side of me publicly as much as I should. So that, I mean, I was like up all night. I was like, I'm not fucking privileged. I mean, yes, I am, but I know it and and I, you know, recognize it and whatever. So it just got me heated. But It also makes me realize that when people deal with you in business or in content creation or whatever it is, they're seeing a really small sliver of yourself and there's no way to completely translate who you are in all of your complexity and in all of your maturity and depths and experience. And so sometimes people see a dimension of yourself that you don't necessarily think of yourself as. And it's a good idea to reflect on how you present yourself, but it's also a good idea to let it go and know that you're not that person and that you do have other sides of yourself that maybe that it wasn't just appropriate to show in that
0: moment. Yes. Oh my gosh. You said so many amazing things there. And I love what you said about, you know, you're only showing like a small sliver of your personality in your business. And that is the importance of obviously building out your brand story and having like the overarching pillars and then the smaller segments of who you are and allowing them to shine through. And I think having that clarity on who you are ultimately allows you to really stand in your power when you do get comments like that, because you're like, okay, well, okay. I understand that you're impacted in that way. And I feel you and I appreciate you. And thank you for reaching out. However, I do know my truth. And so understanding that, but then also looking at the ways that you can expand as well. So not necessarily coming from a place of guilt or, oh my gosh, I should have done that better, like not shooting on yourself, but going, okay, well, maybe this is an opportunity for me to reach people differently and to show other sides of me. And I definitely do agree. Like, I feel like this time, especially with everything that is going on, is polarizing for people and people Definitely are reacting to different things in the way that it is impacting them. But I think what's also really important to remember is the way that someone responds is often, you know, obviously understanding, you know, your role as a leader, but it is often a reflection of what's going on internally for them and a lot of their fears and things like that that they're then projecting onto you based on whatever you've put out there. Um, I recently, I actually the other day watched a YouTube video by Vanessa Lau and she was talking about um, the different. Passive income streams that she's got, and I think she said she's got seven or eight, and it's about 80K a month that's coming in. And she broke it down in so much detail. And this is literally came out like yesterday or the day before, and so much detail as to what that looks like. And she copped it on both sides, like where one side was like, Thank you so much. Like, this is so amazing. It's so good to see different ways to make income. And then the other side was like, You're so insensitive. I can't believe that you're saying this. Like, how could you talk about all this stuff at a time when so many of us have lost our jobs? And what she did is she actually screenshotted both of the comments that were just completely polar opposite. Like one was so for it, one was so against it. And then she addressed that on her platform and said, you know what, like no matter what you do, there's going to be people on polar opposite sides and it's up to you to like stand in your truth and still show up and know that it's going to serve some people, but it's not going to serve everyone. And I love that she addressed that. And I think, As leaders, and it's good to be talking about this on the podcast, is you know, there are going to be moments like that, but it's up to you how you handle it. And showing up in strength, I think, is really, really important is that you know yourself, but you also look at the opportunities for expansion.
1: Also, I would invite everybody who feels triggered by certain things like that, which I do now in my life, which I had to learn because I I also did judgment things like that for a while, right? And then once I received the judgment back at me, I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't feel good and this is what I've been doing to other people. So if I saw a post like that and she's talking about 80K making a month, my first reaction is, fuck yeah, go girl, get (laughs) it. Like That's what we should do. Like If someone's succeeding, don't tear them down and say that their success isn't worth it. Or it's this or it's that like they figured it out. They're doing it. Let's learn from them Thanks for sharing the information Because yeah. it's honest and it's real and it can help us figure out how we can get there. Like if we all just said You go girl. I think the world online would be a very different place.
0: Love that. Yes. 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 Yes, yes. So true and ultimately that's coming from such an abundance mindset because that's not looking at someone else's success and saying well you have that so your success means it's taken away from me because this is something we talk about here a lot is that ultimately like abundance is limitless you have access to unlimited abundance at all times and one person's success doesn't mean that it's taken away from you like there is room for all of us at the table and i love what you said there where it's like if literally the whole internet was just like you go girl like no matter what like that is ultimately what would what we would all step into is more abundance when you celebrate someone else 's success like i 'm big on this, where you know we are all an extension of each other, like the law of divine oneness, like we are all connected, so if you look at someone else and you don't celebrate them and instead you get really into a low vibe about it, and you get very like, "Well, fuck you like you've had all this like how could you have that, and I don't ultimately because we're all so divinely connected, that energy comes right back to you because we are all one and the same, so you put that out there you're going to only attract that to yourself anyway so ultimately realizing when you celebrate someone else, you manifest more that you can celebrate for yourself. So I think that just goes hand in hand with what you're saying.
1: Amen. That was amazing. That was amazing. Yes. I agree with everything you just said.
0: Yes, I love it. Um, you have a beautiful mindset and so such a good way of looking at things, but obviously your journey hasn't always been easy and you've been through a lot in order to develop that mental strength um, on your side of things. I would love to go back a little bit and talk about what your journey to where you are today has been like and on the mental health side, what that looks like for you.
1: Yeah. um, So when I was fourteen, I had my first depressive episode, and um, I started cutting myself and restricting food. And when I did eat food, I would throw it up. And I was wearing sweatpants every day, not like the cute athleisure wear that's all you know in the news today. It was not cute. Um, I wasn't showering. I wasn't taking care of myself. And my school found out that I was self-harming, and they told my parents, who then put me into therapy. So I've been in therapy since I have been 14 years old, and I went really up and down in high school. Um, There was like this thick pressure in my lungs that essentially told me that I couldn't do it, right? Like I couldn't finish my homework. I couldn't wake up and go to school. I couldn't make it to that event. I couldn't finish this or do anything. And so that kind of came and went a lot throughout high school. And I knew that my friends knew that there was something emotionally different with me than everybody else because they would kind of make fun of me for it. And I knew there was something going on in my brain, but my therapist really, and I believe I believe this, that you shouldn't necessarily be diagnosed too young because there are, you know, being misdiagnosed can lead to severe consequences. So my therapist wanted to watch me and make sure it wasn't just hormonal teenager kind of stuff and, you know, going through life and puberty and all that. Um, But when I went to college, when I was 18 or 17, actually, um, I started developing a severe case of paranoia and psychosis where I believed that men were following me home, that they were underneath my bed, that they were in my closet on my balcony waiting to rape and kill me. And so I would plan escape routes in my bed and I wouldn't even move an inch of a finger because I was so afraid they would find out that I was awake. And I would, this is fictional guys, there's, there's no men. Mm -hmm. And I would plan escape routes of how I was going to escape and how I was going to get to the police and how I was going to get saved. And people had to look in my car before I went into it to make sure no one was in my trunk. And it just got so insane to the point that I was like, wait, this isn't, and I hate using the word normal, but this isn't, it's not healthy, right? This isn't what normal people think. They don't think that people, you know, and I've never been sexually abused or physically abused in my life. I grew up in a beautiful family, very supportive. And so I started really thinking about psychiatry and really um, my therapist started kind of throwing the word bipolar around. And it wasn't until a year later when I transferred to Sarah Lawrence College in New York City that my therapist there diagnosed me with bipolar disorder when I was 20 and 19 when I was 20. And um, she said I was manic depressive and I hadn't even heard of that. And so I went home and I looked it up and it said bipolar. And this was eight years ago. And even eight years ago, the word bipolar wasn't, wasn't normalized like it is to the point that it is today. And so I thought my life's over. I'm crazy. I'm never going to amount to anything. All of these things, and I went home on the next plane to San Diego, and I moved in with my dad. I was put through outpatient programs. I was 5150, which is where they put a legal hold on you in the hospital, and you're forced to go into inpatient, and they take away everything. They took away my notebook because it had a bookmark that I could didn't even freaking wrap around my neck, but it was dangerous, and it was it was a really scary time in my life, and. I quit. I dropped out of school. I quit jobs. I quit internships, everything I couldn't. I wasn't a functioning member of society. My parents, my therapist, my doctor didn't know if I would ever amount to anything. I didn't know if I would ever amount to anything because the depression was so crippling and the anxiety was so bad. And I had hypomania and all these things because I'm bipolar type two, which is when you lean more towards the depressive versus the mania. And then I started dating my husband, then boyfriend, And he comes from a recovery, the recovery world where um, he's nine years sober, almost nine years sober now. He'll be nine years sober this month. And um, he said to me, he said, I don't care if you're depressed and hopeful. I can work with that. Mm -hmm. If you're depressed and hopeless, I won't be able to stay with you. And this light bulb went off in my head of what would happen if I woke up in the same depressive situation that I am, but I had a little bit of hope what would happen to my mind? And I had lost too many things. And I said, I'm not going to lose him. I came to a breaking point of what I was willing to lose. And I started going to support groups. I went to a 12-step program because he was in the 12-step program. And I developed a relationship with a higher power and became very spiritual and learned all of the prayers. And um, you know, it wasn't a full recovery. I would say I had my worst depressive episode last year. But the difference between me now and back then is that i still get my shit done i still go to work i still follow my dreams i still live the life i want to live and accomplish what i want to accomplish and there's been so many bumpy roads in the middle i got catatonia which is when you're so anxious that your nervous system breaks down and you can't move and you're paralyzed i was in bed for a month like or I was in the ER not able to speak or or talk for six hours. And my husband's like, I'm going to get you the best speech pathologist and I'm going to get you to speak again. Don't worry because he thought I would never speak again. And so there was just so many. And then I heard voices in my head that tell me to kill myself. I've been suicidal many times. And so it's been a really, really long journey. And um, I would say now though, I haven't had a depressive episode since July, which is the longest pretty much I've ever gone. But I think the difference between now, it's not that I don't live with bipolar disorder, but I know it and I, and I don't let it rule me, right? Like it comes into my mind and I said, Hey, what's up? How you doing? Okay. I think you've overstayed your visit. I have things to do. I have a client that needs to get back to, and So I've just developed a sort of mental strength with a lot of holistic tools, a lot of routines. And today I can honestly say I've never been more fulfilled or happy or confident or proud or in love with myself Mm. as I am, as I've ever been.
0: I celebrate you for that so much. Like even just being able to say those last few words, like I love myself, like I am so accomplished, like I celebrate myself, like all of that is just so incredible thank you for opening up and sharing that with us so honestly I think it just gives such a voice to all of the things that you mentioned and no matter whether someone relates to it themselves or they've got someone in their lives that it relates to it just helps all of us to understand even more um and I think as well like what you said there, is like eight years ago like it really wasn't spoken about as much as it is now and I love that it is spoken about more and it's you know, the, the way to handle it or to identify it and is, is normalizing it and understanding that. And that's where, like you said, that was like, that for me was just such a big thing where you said, like, I, I, I know it. Like, that's the biggest thing is like, you take away its power. And obviously like, I can't speak to this because it's not something that I've suffered from myself, but something that I do always say that is like a little bit similar around the fear side of things is that like, You are not your thoughts. And when you identify with those and you can see them for what they are, you you do actually take away the power from it. And it sounds like a lot of what you're actually saying there. I would love to dive a little bit deeper into the holistic, like the rituals and the spiritual side of things that you use now. It was obviously like a coping mechanism to move through that.
1: Yeah. So I can just go through my routine because I incorporate them pretty much every day. Um, I wake up in the morning and I do a guided meditation, um, usually a gratitude meditation because I'm huge on gratitude. And then right after that, I journal one to two pages. I just let whatever's in my mind come through, no judgment, no planning, nothing, just complete subconscious, who I am at my core. And then after that, um, I write down five things I'm grateful for. Sometimes I'll say a prayer to my higher power or the universe, whatever you want to call it, God, you know, whatever floats your boat. Mm -hmm. And that's how I start. And then I open up the Daily Stoic, which is a Stoicism philosophy daily meditation book. And I read the day's meditation. And sometimes I'll write a little note underneath it of how it's relating currently, or sometimes I just read it. Um, I utilize a lot of essential oils. Um, I use the orange essential oils. I, I use doTERRA. So, the blended, the frankincense, um, um, the tension blend, the lavender, um, a lot of the grounded one, a lot, a lot of stuff like that. And that's just like a little pick me up throughout the day if I need something. Um, I also have a crystal that I hold when I am feeling anxious just to transfer energy and to move my fingers and to really kind of like. Um, visualize where I can place my energy into. I find that it's really helpful whether or not you believe that crystals have energy or not. It's just a really great tool. Um and often if I am feeling anxious, I will go back into my journal and just write it out because we have to write it out. Yeah. Um and then at night I meditate as well again. I read a book before I go to bed, I pray, and then um twice a month I get cupping and acupuncture to help my anxiety, which is really helpful. And I listen to a lot of motivational and mindset podcasts that really help me holistically figure out how to retrain my mind and how to reframe perspectives and and create energy within myself. Um, So those are just a few of the tools, but I do, it's interesting. It's so interesting because you know that Woody Allen quote that says, I would never belong to a club that would have me as a member.
0: Do you know that one? (laughs) I think I have actually heard that, but I've forgotten it and hearing it then just give me a little
1: laugh. <laughs> okay. So that is so me in the sense that none of my friends are spiritual and holistic, like none of them. And I have, and I know people who are, but it just like, I don't know why, but I just never surround myself with people that are like me in, in, in a way. I don't know why that is because I find it to be such a personal and just like my yeah. self-practice, but I do go to new moon circles at times and I belong to a holistic energy healing center, um, which I become an active member of. And of course, yoga, is great and all that good stuff. So that's a bunch of the things that I do on a daily basis.
0: Yeah. I love that. It's funny too, how you say like, oh, I'm not surrounded by it, but then you sort of list off and you are like, even without necessarily recognizing it, maybe the people who are closest to you know, but you still have those beautiful elements that you tap into and you need them. And I love that you've made this a very internal journey as well. And I think as well, it's one of those things. I definitely, for me, when I started off and you know, those listening know, but in case you don't, like for me, it was a breakdown that literally led me into spirituality. Um, And it was so internal for so long, like years before I then actually started finding other people who were like into the same thing. And now a lot of my tribe like my community is online like so many women who are on the same wavelength as me and I'm the same as you where like a lot of my friends aren't necessarily spiritual and don't have practices or aren't ritualistic and don't really do morning routines like and they're the friends that I adore and I've had for so long but then I've got a beautiful new circles as well who like I said a lot come through podcasting and through connecting online and collaborating and that side of things being in masterminds and I think that Your people find you when you're meant to, you know? And I love that you lean into that, obviously, with the things that you do as well. Um, I want to ask, what crystal do you use? Or is there a few? Um, It's just
1: a clear quartz. I'm not, like, so knowledgeable about crystals. I just went to my holistic healing energy community center, and I was like, these things, like, really? Do they work? (laughs) And I just picked, I was, like, picking them up, and I felt one. I was like, oh, that's my crystal. Like, it just spoke to me. It was crazy. Yeah. And yeah, and I've had so many um also Reiki. Oh my god, I've ha- I've met my first mother like oh. thousands and thousands of years back who's my guide. She was my guide. She was presented to me as my guide. And then I was getting Reiki and the practitioner left the room for me to just like chill for a second and I was like there's someone still in this room. Like mm-hmm. I could have sworn the practitioner left and I saw her in my mind. It was my guide and then I started crying and I was like, "Oh my god, she is my first mom." She's who brought my soul into this earth. It was so insane. I, I like, I can't even explain it. It was the most beautiful moment. So, uh, you all should do Reiki because it brings out the most incredible things.
0: Yeah. Oh my, I got chills when you said that. That is so incredible. And it's often those sort of experiences where, like, you put it into words and it just doesn't do it justice. Like, mm-hmm. no matter what you say, you're like, I just can't really explain it as well as it is. But this is what happened, and I know it to be true. And. Oh, I love that. That is, yeah, 100% right. You guys get into it. Um, And the other question that I wanted to ask is when you said in your night routine, you read a book, what do you read there? Do you read something for personal development or is it like a novel, like fiction? What's that look like?
1: Yeah. So right now I'm reading The Untethered Soul, but I really actually prefer reading Total fiction at night because that helps me turn my mind off. Because if I read anything to personal development or spiritual, my mind kind of gets ignited and lighted up, and I'm like fired up and energetic. And I'm like, oh, this principle is amazing and whatever. (laughs) So at night, I do like to read um, just straight fiction. Haruki Murakami is one of my favorite authors. Um, He's the most poetic, lyrical, beautiful man ever. Um, So yeah, I like to get lost in a world that's not my own because that kind of lets me shut my brain down and enter into a more, you know, sedative area.
0: Yeah, I feel so aligned with so many things that you say and so many of your rituals, like everything that you do. I was like, yep, tick, 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 like all the things that I rely on. And even just that last bit, that's actually for me a new practice. So like I would always read at night, but I would still be reading like personal development or things that I could be learning or things for the business, like so many things. And I would do the same thing. So then I'd end up more wired, like and so many ideas and all these things like flowing through my mind and all the ways that I could be a better person and things I could do in business rather than like, okay, it's time to switch off. And so Mm -hmm. that's actually something that I've started doing recently is just reading like a fiction novel at night and I'm sleeping better than I've ever slept in my life and I'm feeling (laughs) so much karma. so I definitely agree with that but for me I'm the same as you like in the morning reading is more about like personal development or business development or something like that and Daily Stoic is I've not read it but it's something that I've seen like a lot of people reading The Skinny Confidential talks about it all the time so like that's where I know it from Um, but so many of those rituals are so powerful and no matter you know wherever you're listening and whatever speaks to you like I would just encourage you to lean into it, even if it's just like one of those things, the crystal or the essential oils or the Reiki, like whatever it is, like take from it what feels good. Um, do you find that those rituals, like obviously that's a beautiful morning ritual that you go through, but are they practices that you sort of tap into at all times, like whenever you need them? And do you feel like they've been a fundamental part to creating success in your physical reality in your business?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. They start my day off in the right way. They make me connected to myself. And in being connected to yourself, you're allowed if you're connected to yourself and you're starting your day off connecting to yourself, you are giving yourself permission to give yourself what you need at any moment of during the day. So if you started the day like, okay, I'm really feeling productive today and I'm really feeling that energetic creation and how can I lean into that energy? And of course there are things that you have to do that maybe you're not feeling completely up to, but it just sets the stone that sets the tone and allows you to figure out the energy that you're going into and then how can you match that energy? I'm all about really optimizing your energy and your biology with your workflow. So if I am exhausted at 2 PM and I can't keep my eyes open, guess what I'm doing? I'm going to take a nap Mm -hmm. because there's no point in working for an hour just like trying to do it, and you like got one thing done, and you're miserable. Mm-hmm. I tell my team the same thing if you're exhausted because you didn't sleep well, sleep in and come to work late, or leave early, go nap, and then get back to work. Mm-hmm. So, I think just when you start the day really in tune with yourself, it allows you opportunities to give yourself energetically and emotionally and physically exactly the nourishment that you need throughout the day. It really kind of keeps you in touch with yourself and therefore you can check in. So I know if I'm anxious at one, I need to stop and I just need to journal or I need to scream into a pillow or I need to go for a walk. It's just about really finding what's going on inside and then matching your physical world to that
0: yes so here for that i so agree it's like what actually feels good to you what do you need like what is your soul actually calling to you for not in your head what do you feel like you should be doing like what do you actually need in this moment and i so agree because ultimately you can push through it for as long as you want and but you're still not going to come out the other side producing the results that you ultimately desire anyway because you're not operating from that state of flow or that state of alignment like it's force i even notice myself if for me i sometimes i just get on these huge roles and i can easily work for like 10, 11 hours, like it's just like bang, 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 like all comes out and that's amazing. But then if I don't recognize on the other side of that, that I need to like fill my cup back up and you know, take a break and rest and recharge a little bit. And I'm first to say, like, it's really easy for me to tap right back into my masculine as well, because that's ultimately what created my breakdown in the first place. That's all I did. Like, I wasn't even aware of the feminine side or the spiritual side at all. It can be easy for me to force myself into that. But I notice, like, in time tracking and productivity and output, my time tracking will be, it'll every day go down, 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 down. And it's because, like, I'm trying to force myself to move through what ultimately I just need to grant myself and if I just give myself that then you're going to come back even stronger so that is a really really good tip as well I do want to talk about your team as well because you said that you hired your first employee like what's that process been like and like outsourcing that and letting go of obviously you know tasks that maybe you had an attachment to like build I know for me personally like building out something it's your baby um and letting go of certain elements can sometimes feel a little bit hard what's that been like for you
1: Yeah. So I hired my first employee. She's uh, Naomi. She's actually been a best friend of mine forever. I've known her since kindergarten. Um, So in that sense, it's been super fun. It's kind of like girl time all the time. But I remember before I hired her, I was like, holy shit, I'm responsible for someone's salary. And what if my business tanks in six months? And oh my God, what if I can't pay her one month? And like all these things ran through my head and that responsibility felt so insane and heavy to me. But I I also, for some reason, I knew that was the next step in my evolution and my growth. And so it's been amazing. Um, I actually don't have too much trouble letting go. Um, I know what I want to do and what I don't want to do. And so when I don't want to do something, it's fine. And we got like a huge client and I gave it to her instead of me. I'm pretty good with that. I'm not a micromanager. I want my employees to take something and do it by themselves. I don't even want to really hear too much about it. I just want to hear the end result and the success. And obviously that's something I need to work on because I do think I need to probably check in more because it's beneficial for people when they have a Not accountability, but when they feel like they're being included in things and stuff like that. But my management style is so hands off. I create a self employed mentality within my employees where I want them to feel like they have the power to direct their own future. So whatever they put into this job is whatever they're going to get out of it in in the end, Um, whether they're going to go far or whether they're going to excel and grow and create change in the company. And I also, I mean, she's also my best friend and I have so much respect for her. So she's also been such a great support for me. I was really looking for someone who was my right-hand woman instead of just an employee. And so I wanted an emotional dedication to the company and I wanted her to fit in with the movement and the mission and all this and the work culture. And it just worked out so perfectly. Um, But I think that now, you know, I was talking to my dad about my business growth and when I'm going to hire my next employee and what that looks like. And it is scary to hire someone that you don't know because it is so personal and it is so emotional and it is your life. Work and when you work for somebody else, they'll never care as much as you do because it's not their baby necessarily. So, it's about finding the right people I think that energetically work for you. I'm also super lenient like, so lenient. Like, she has a hair appointment at three. Okay, yeah, see you later. I'll see you tomorrow. Like, I don't care. Like, you design your own schedule, girlfriend. But Mm -hmm. for some people, that doesn't work and they take advantage of the scenario and the situation. So, you have to find the people that energetically work with you, that culturally work with you, and that are behind the.
0: Yeah, I think that those are all really, really good tips. And like you said, it's like having that leniency, but making sure that the person that has the leniency is actually a good cultural fit for it, and doesn't, like you say, abuse it, and understands like the importance of being a part of the team. So I love that, and I think that's really good advice. You obviously are very good at navigating relationships and work because you podcast with your sister. What is that like? Do you do you ever have moments where it's really, really hard, or is it always just like fun and flow all the time? What's it like for you guys?
1: Yeah, so Matt's and I have always been close in the sense that we like like the same – like if we were going on vacation, we would like the same places, and we have different styles-ish, but we could easily trade clothes, and we would like to do the same things on the weekends and whatever. So, But we were always very characteristically and personality-wise quite different, and we did have a little bit of a rough time connecting through our parents' divorce and through high school. And um, when we started the podcast, we did it, and I – I didn't really know what was going to happen, right? I we didn't really have any expectations. It was just kind of let's see and it has grown our relationship so much. I think we fought once in a year and a half, which is crazy for us because we used to fight as sisters do and it has grown our relationship so significantly to the point that just thinking about her overwhelms me with love and joy and I could cry of happiness because I love her and will protect her until the day that I die and we've been able to relate ourselves to such a big community that we we wanted, but we didn't know if it was going to happen. And it did, which is great. Um, so it's been one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my career. And I, I don't even say it's my career. I think people ask me what the best part of OK Sis is. And, and it's really my sister and me. It's really what we've cultivated together. Like, And yes, our sisters, we call them sisters, uh, are so important to me. Like, I, I thank God for them every day. But my sister is the most, one of the most, she's, I, I I'm stumbling yeah. on my words for how much I love her so much.
0: Yeah. So goes to show. that is so lovely. Honestly, it's so, so nice. I love that you guys have that relationship and that it's, forged an even stronger relationship between you doing that. And now you have this beautiful, you know, tribe of sisters with you. So what a beautiful thing to create. That's honestly amazing for those listening who are potentially looking at wanting to get more exposure to themselves and wanting to maybe start going on podcasts or put them, put themselves out there in a different way. Like you have so much experience in that, obviously as a podcaster, and then also as a podcasting agency, what are some of the steps that you would give those listening in order to start to put themselves out there for
1: that PR reach. Yeah. I would say that a lot of times it's interesting because I see that with my clients a lot. On Instagram, we really put our highlight reel out there, but when we pitch ourselves via email, we don't. Mm -hmm. So I'll find things out about my clients three weeks in and I'm like, how could you not have included that in my about questionnaire? That's fucking awesome. Because (laughs) We have a problem when we put it into words. In a pitch email, we have a problem you know, advocating for ourselves and all of our accomplishments. So I would really lead your pitch email with the things that you're the most proud of, the things that are like totally wow, totally cool, totally amazing. And if you haven't achieved anything, what are the emotional things that you can bring to a podcast? What's the life experience that you can bring? What's the angle that would work for the host? And you also have to know that a lot of times you can think you're perfect for a podcast, but, oh, they just had a dating coach on two weeks. Ago, so you know, they don't need a dating coach right now, and so it's not a good fit, but they love who you are. Or you like people pitch to Okasis all the time, and technically, as the PR people who are pitching us, I can. St- totally see why they would think they'd be a good fit for okay sis but on an emotional level for my sister and I it's just not there Mm -hmm. so you know don't be afraid of the rejection understand that it takes a lot of outreach to find the perfect fit that works for you that needs your voice and all that good things and just keep throwing yourself out there but really be clear on your pitch and you know ask for what you want and ask how you can help them in return and be very clear about the value that you can bring
0: Mm, Yeah, that is so paramount is that value side of things, I think. And I help my clients with this a lot on the, the reaching your audience and like building your own business and things like that. But it's about making it them focused, not you focused. So like what value are you bringing them rather than like what's in it for me? And I think that that is super powerful and what you said there is like it's the value like what can you do for them and understanding like it might not be the right time right now um, but it doesn't mean it's a no forever so like how can you nurture that relationship and show up again at another time and I definitely agree as a podcaster with people who reach out and things like that like sometimes it's not necessarily the person it's just the timing and you know pop them on a wait list and if you guys reach out again later like those sort of things you know that's about nurturing those relationships so really really good tips there this has honestly been such a fun interview I've loved talking to you and getting to know you and sharing your story with our audience, if there's one thing that you could leave people with, something that's just on your heart to share right now, what would it be?
1: That you have the power to create the standard for your life. You get to decide what standard you live by. And that will seep into your career, your relationships, your personal relationship with yourself, the way your thoughts play out, the narrative that you say to yourself. No one has the power to tell you what standard you should live your life by. That's your power.
0: And that was so powerful and that came through so quickly. It's like it was like right on the tip of your tongue ready to say (laughs) exactly what people needed to hear. Thank you so much. Um, For those who want to connect with you further, tell them where they can hang out with you online, where can they listen to the podcast, all the things.
1: Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Scout Sobel, S-C-O-U-T-S-O-B-E-L, and it has links to both OKCIS Podcast and Scout Podcast, my solo episode. It also has in the bio the link to my agency if you're looking for brand representation, and it has my email, DM. I'm totally an open book. There's been a lot of sisters in my sisterhood with OKCIS Podcast that have reached out to me and said, I'm so depressed, this, this, and I actually hop on a call with them. So my door is completely open to anybody that is either going through a rough time or needs a little bit. Of inspiration. Please don't feel shy. Come say hi.
0: Love that. That is so beautiful. And we will definitely link all your links in the show notes below. Thank you, darling. This has been amazing. So I appreciate you coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with me in today's episode. Because you're a part of the collective, I know you're a visionary woman ready for more and I'm here to remind you that the world needs your light. If you love this episode or know somebody who would, please share it to your IG stories and tag me at TayRayOfficial. And if you wanna show some love for the podcast, please head on over and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss all of the magic coming here soon. For more support, check out the episode show notes, my courses, services, and digital products by heading over to tailorray.com.au. Big love, babe. And until then, go and shine that beautiful light. The world is waiting for you.